Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never heard a movie podcast before. I am your host, Adam Portress, and yes, that music, we're not actually talking about... uh, about uh, movies today, we're actually this is a special episode. We're going to be uh, talking about Breaking Bad, uh, the whole series as a whole, and uh, you know at, we're going to talk about the finale. The finale happened a couple days ago, and uh, that's what this podcast is going to be about. And I searched around, and the only person I could find that watched the show, <laughs> there's no one else that watched it. It's not a popular show. <laughs> it's, it's not, not popular, and we'll talk about the popularity of the show a little bit later. I do want to talk about that. Uh, a uh, friend of mine, Devin Penninger, comedian. Uh, what what else can we call you? A, a fundraiser of sorts. You fundraise some things. We'll talk I, about that. I manage a musician, which is weird. There you go. See, that's something. Uh, Madison Lucas. Other than that, I just I'm a failure at a lot of things. Hey, I get, comedian's one of the things. Then you're in good. <laughs> then you're in good company, my friend. But yes, we're uh, we're we're going to be talking some Breaking Bad. We got some uh, Ethiopian coffee rolling, and uh, it is uh, it's going to be a good time. So uh, let's just start here, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not seen Breaking Bad, stop listening. Yeah, just- <laughs> we're going to talk about everything. So anything from the first frame to the last frame of the series. We could possibly, potentially talk about any of that. So if you don't want to be spoiled on anything Breaking Bad, turn the show off, save it. Thank you for downloading. I appreciate that. But come back later after you've seen it so you know you know what's going on. I don't want anybody going, you didn't say anything about it. You spoiled. You said things happened. And I didn't. You know. You and, know right and now. And reevaluate your life if you're not watching. Yeah, because it. at this point, you know, we're we're like three minutes into the show. <laughs> if you're still <laughs> listening and you see Breaking Bad, you read the descriptions where it says we spoil things. You listen to my voice saying, "Hey, we spoil <laughs> things," and you still listen. You're the dumbass in this situation. So keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, Devin and I are going to be uh, we're going to be talking about Breaking Bad. We're gonna uh, we're not going to do. A, a giant kind of look at everything and go through season by season and episode by episode because that that kind of stuff's been done. And uh, if you listen to the uh, the official Breaking Bad podcast, they do some. They it's really it's a great show. Vince Gilligan and a whole bunch of the other uh, people that are involved with the show talk about it and whatnot, and uh, very informative. So. Do things like that. It's only 62 episodes. We could go through them all. We've got that kind of time. <laughs> We've got that kind of time. You know, that is something that bothers me about podcasts. Before we get into this, I, you know, it's my podcast. I can do whatever I want on it. I don't understand why some podcasts feel the need to be like have a specific length to their show. It's like, oh, we can only do an hour. Yeah. Like, you, have a, you have something that you can do anything you want with. It can be eight minutes. It can be 800 minutes. And you can edit. So it's like... You can do whatever you want, and like, and <laughs> the, some episodes of the film find have been long. I think our close, our the highest one was like two hours and forty five minutes. It was a long one, but you know, you don't have to listen to it all in one stretch. You can break it up. You can do whatever you want to with it. But people that like, like, uh, say, okay, I only want a specific time. It can only be an hour, and there could be no bad language. Well, you might as well just be on the radio. Yeah. What's the point? It's like now you you have a format with which you can do anything with. I forget which one, but there's a comedian out there who has a 10-minute podcast. And it, and I actually listened to an episode, and it got interesting right at minute nine. And it's like, well, that's it. We're done now. And I'm like, wait, what? Was this- it Will Sasso? Is he involved with that? 
I think there was one. I don't remember. The fat comedian? I mean, I know that sounds terrible, but no, he's, yeah, he's, that's his main character. This dude. Yeah, I think he, I I think he was. Know. His name sounds familiar. It was him and two other comedians. Yeah. Okay. But but that might be the show I'm thinking but they didn't. It was complete bullshit till like minute nine. I'm like, all right, now they got me. And then it's over. They play music <laughs> and it's done. All right, everybody, we're here. That's it. All right, so let's uh, let's delve into Breaking Bad. Um, let's 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 start here. Um, when did you jump on the show? Were you were you like were you from day one on, or are you are you like one of the other assholes that like? I was season two, like when it was on there in season two, and then I I caught up. I rented it like <laughs> I was renting it on DVDs. Well, see, that's not there's, bad. There's an actual video rental place a mile from my house. It's one of the few left where you can actually go there and rent a shitload of hard to find movies hmm well yeah um i i think i got on um when the third season had just finished up i was unemployed it was a great time in life (laughs) (laughs) but i was unemployed and i had heard a lot about the show and everything but i'd never it's one of those like 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 we like everybody has about a lot of shows we were talking uh earlier before the show about it's like oh you know i plan i i always want to get around to watching that it's like oh i think you know that seems like something i i, want, I know i'm interested in that i want to watch but you that you keep putting it off or- but you're like oh, i'll get around to it i'll get around to it there's 10 seasons now shit <laughs> i was thinking it'd be overhyped just cuz of all that i heard about it yeah and so i was just like you know what i'm unemployed let's just barrel through this and so like i watched like the first 3 seasons just hard. I think I finished them all in like less than a week. So, because uh, again, unemployed, no <laughs> free time, I can do whatever I wanted to, which a lot of it just uh, ended up being watching Breaking Bad and sulking in my apartment <laughs> that I didn't have a job. I stayed up late watching them and then I was just useless at work because I was so sleep deprived. That's how I plowed through. And them. then you were just like, you know, if I had some meth, <laughs> things might turn around. I don't know. I drive a forklift for a living. So just imagine the most sleep deprived guy in the world. Loading your truck, possibly damaging your freight, because he watched Breaking Bad. That was me. Just- a model U.S. citizen. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though. And talk about this. Like I said, uh, getting on like later in the season. Uh, so the Breaking Bad, like the finale. Uh, so they they put out the numbers for the finales for seasons uh, one through five. And all of them tended to be, the first four seasons, all tended to be around a million, almost garnered about like maybe two million. They get to the finale of season five, 10 million viewers. <laughs> I think that means a lot of people fucking caught up on Netflix. I don't, th- that's that's my guess, Or and I, and I am wondering if there are people that were just like, Oh, you know what we're going to do? Uh, I'm going to watch like two or three se- episodes from like each season, kind of get the gist of what's going on, and then just jump in for the last thing. Or or, or they just watched it because they're like, I hear this is a thing. I, it I seems couldn't... to be in the cultural zeitgeist. Maybe I need to be a part of this. So around the water cooler tomorrow, I don't look like the idiot who's going, I don't know what that is. I could see people doing that, but I just I couldn't watch I'm sure it's not way. as prevalent as like I'm, tr- I'm making it out to yeah. be now, but. There's a lot of people I'm surprised that are just now getting into it because of all the uh, the hype and all the ads for the finale and all that. Like, I hate him, but Gene Simmons, I, I hate his personality. What are you Not- talking about? He's 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 a glorious man. <laughs> he's a philanthropist and a gentleman. I don't have anything against Kiss. I just hate his arrogance. I got more against Kiss than I got against <laughs> him. I, I just he just tweeted the other. I don't, I thought he was being sarcastic, but he wasn't. He tweeted. 
just now starting episode one of Breaking Bad. Like just now, after it's, I don't. But a lot of people. I are. decided I took a chance to get out of eating a lot of pussy, and I decided to watch Breaking Bad. So. Giving his tongue a wrist. <laughs> a coworker of mine just got to the episode where Jane Margolis died. And uh, one of my most... Pro- oh, shit! Devin Yates ain't no spoilers, man! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just... It, I didn't know what to say to him because I, I don't know how to talk to him without giving things away. Like, <laughs> oh, you just got to that part, I still can't talk oh, to you. Oh, wait till you see what happens next, bitch. <laughs> well, that's why, like, uh, that's why Laura's not on this podcast, is she's only seen, like, two episodes of the uh, from the uh, first season. And it like you know, it, and you guys can uh, you know ran uh, you know rail on her for not watching. Cause she had mentioned at some point, like at the beginning of this season, she's like, "How long do I got? I can I can smash through all that. I can do that." And I'm just like, mm, I don't think you will. But uh, yeah, so I, I guess a little bit of latecomers. So um, let's see. Let's start with um, let's just let's let's start with the final episode, and we'll kind of I don't want to say work our way back or anything, but then we'll. Well, we'll let's start with the final episode and then kind of just jump around to different things that we liked about it and uh, shit like that. So, uh, what were your overall impressions of just the last episode? I don't, let's, let's actually. I'm sorry. Let me let's do this. Let's give me an overall view of this last half season and then jump into the final episode. Uh, the I was actually oddly uh, I was kind of cynical about the two episodes before the finale. Just because Gillian was torturing the shit out of Jesse. And it, it was hard for me to watch because I grew attached to that character. And I just thought, oh, how badly is this going to end for, yeah. for the main two guys? And I, So I was very skeptical going into the finale, but I thought the finale was perfect, honestly. But leading up to it, I had doubts. I just thought, I don't know if he's going to pull this off. There's going to be some fucking loose ends. I'm going to be all bitter and just reminisce about the Gus era. Basically yeah. of the show, but he pulled it off. I'll fucking hand it to him. But he did write the finale. The two episodes before the finale, he didn't write. Yeah, but he he wrote and directed the last one. Yeah, I, you're you're right though. Is um, I, I think at the beginning of this last last half a season, uh, because they split up, you know, with the little uh, break in the middle, and uh, TV executives stop that fucking shit. That is annoying. It's annoying as fuck. They're then, doing it with the last two seasons of Mad Men, just eight episodes, and I'm like, oh, come on, you'll still get the same great ratings if you just play them all in a row. Yeah, no one's it was like, well, we won't have those ratings the whole year. It's like, well, motherfucker, you're going to need some, get some new blood. Get yeah. get get, an, get another hell on wheels. I've never <laughs> seen this. I can't fucking. And and there's a lot of, there is a lot of people talking shit about Low Winter Sun, and I don't think any of them have watched it. I don't think anyone has. I don't know anyone who's seen it. It's, I look. I recorded the first episode, but I never really got around to watching it. it for but, all we know, it could be a great show. But it's just if you're following Breaking Bad it's in tough. its final season, yeah, it's it's like following the Super Bowl and expecting people to stick around and watch. They're they're not. They're yeah. just going to be talking about the Super Bowl while you're on in the background. It doesn't make any sense to me. Though some shows have launched pretty big after the Super Bowl, Family Guy being one of them. I'm sure it might get that douchebag show. I just want to go on record saying that Family Guy can suck <laughs> a fat dick. I'm sorry. Keep Low Winter Sun might have decent ratings though. It have might. I, I I have no idea, but I, I do like Mark Strong. So you know, yeah. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, at, at the beginning of the season, I really thought that was the biggest thing. Is that like all the loose ends? And I thought, man, they have so much to tie up in eight episodes. How are they going to get? How are they going to get to what they need to get to? And luckily, 
they kind of they messed. I don't want to say they messed with because that's not really uh, that's not really uh, correct. But they just they used time a lot more in this one than they did any of the other. They seasons. jumped forward a month, didn't they? It, it was at more. least it was at least a couple months, I think. Yeah. Because I mean, you know how. Fast but they did that it? well. It wasn't confusing the way they did yeah, it. Yeah, you knew what it was, and that's another reason that I really liked uh, this season as well. Was was the book ending of 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 Walt coming into the house that's all burned up and everything. Uh, it was, it's very reminiscent of, I believe season three with the eyeball and like, so you had that at the beginning and they actually interspersed that in between more shows and stuff. So it was like, what the fuck is this? It's like some weird floating eyeball. What is this? And so it just kind of, it gave you something to go back to and to keep in your mind of like, how are we going to get here yeah. How are we going to get there from where we are right now? In the finale, the Denny scene, too, was part of that was in ep- season, uh, season five, episode one. Right. And I just thought it was, at the time, in season five, it makes no fucking sense. And you're you're like, what the fuck is this? And it's just confusing. I thought that was such a brilliant thing yeah. to just be like, okay. And it shows how what far ahead he had this. going on this? He knew where he was going all along. So it was, yeah, it was just smart and... Uh, I, I was I was surprised that you know that they pulled off all the loose end stuff as well as they did. I mean, like God knows they they did so many within the you know basically the killing of Hank episode, yeah. where it was just like, okay, we're gonna kill him off. He's dead. Gomi's dead. And oh yeah, by the way, uh, I killed her. And this and this that that was like it was just like boom 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 boom. Loose ends are just done. And it was. I was actually kind of yelling amazing. at the screen when the trunk popped open and all that gunfire. I was yelling, fuck yeah, at the screen because <laughs> I got that excited. I didn't expect it to be that upbeat. It caught, caught me off guard for such a dark show. I thought it ended really upbeat. Just that fucking music at the end. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. as far as like for, for such a somber and sad, mean <laughs> show in a lot of ways and as – as terrible a character or as terrible a person rather, I don't want to say character, that's not right, but as terrible as a person as Walt is, it's still at the end, you're like, you know, there was a slight amount of that bond still there between him and Jesse. Yeah. There was, there was a little bit of that. And at the end it was just like, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. Now, uh, Vince Gilligan said like from the beginning, like this whole entire series was going to be the change from Mr. Chips to Scarface. And in a lot of ways, it was very, you know, it it was exactly that. You saw this guy who was just this chemistry teacher turn into the ultimate fucking crime lord here in this small town. And I don't think he lost all of himself, though, by the end. No, I don't think he did either. I always think, I I always thought that there's this kind of small bit that was still inside him that was always kind of wanting to do what's right. And at the end, that totally really was his goal. He did horrible fucking things to accomplish that goal. But his goal from the initial point was like, look, I'm a teacher. I have cancer. I'm going to die. There's no fucking severance pay here. People, I'm just going to go out and my kids are going to be left with nothing. Yeah. My wife and kids are just going to be destitute because I have a shitty job and, you know, life is terrible. He did give that, I wouldn't call it a speech, but he had that moment in the finale there where he said to Skylar, I did it for me. I think that, I don't think originally, he, I think he did it for his family originally, but then it became about him. Like, his ego, his well, wife kept it going. Exactly. Now, because if, if you look back at the uh, at the early uh, episodes where he's where he's in the uh, chemistry class and everything and you can tell it's like this is a guy who has this passion and fervor for this thing 
that he absolutely loves and he's spilling himself out to these kids and they could give a shit. They are high school kids, so they could give a shit about what's going on. And, and that bugs the piss out of him. He wants to be known. He's like, and, and like, and you go throughout the series. It's just, it's someone who's wanted recognition for the things that he's done, who wants to take what he knows and apply it in life and feel like he's useful, like he's accomplished something. So you can't feel like you've accomplished anything when you're just say, sitting right. in front of 30 kids going, isn't science amazing? They're just like, fuck you, old man. Science is shit. Go figure it was Mr. Yo Bitch Jesse Pinkman of all the <laughs> students who slightly paid attention and did something with it. Well, that was that was what was that's another thing that I really liked about it was was the relationship between those two. I mean, it was that was like, the core of it all. Pinkman really was kind of like the the son he never had and the student that he always wanted. Yeah. That you know, and and with Jesse, his entire like being able to overcome him just being who he was at the beginning, which was just a kind of stoned out fucking idiot. Yeah. To someone who, you know, by the end was cooking up to, you know, Heisenberg level standards yeah. from, you know, just going, what's a, what's a beaker, bitch, you know, to, to cooking the, up at that level. Remember in the Gus season when he actually was training other people? Like they all thought he was just some chump and then he proved himself and they're like, oh, he's kind of the man now. That was a big moment for him. So, it, but that was like, to, that was like his – to me, that was his like ultimate redemption for being able to teach. That was what – like he's like, I finally have you know someone to teach, and he taught them that. So I, I know that he took pride in being able to take Jesse and mold him into somebody who could take over that role if need be. Yeah. And uh, – but that's all what it was. It was all him kind of like just wanting to be known, to wanting to be appreciated and – over anything else, that that's what it was, and he didn't. He hated people stepping on him, and 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 diminishing his quality. I mean, like you know, look at the you know early bits with Hank and how Hank treated him like he was just some you know, down insignificant him, idiot. Yeah. And oh, you, I want to say one thing. You, you said uh, like he was the son he never had. There was an episode where Walt. I don't remember if he was drugged up on like painkillers or what it was. I don't remember. Maybe, but he was talking to his actual son, Walt Jr. or Finn, whatever. Yeah, but he, he call, was, calls him Jesse. Yeah, 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 he calls him Jesse, and that was like the moment where it's like that's the core of the whole show is those two. No matter how much they may seem like they hate each other, there's always a little bit of love there, or they wouldn't hate each other that much if there wasn't. Exactly, and and I, and I think in a lot of ways, like you know. Uh, Walt was that father figure that Jesse needed. He needed somebody to come along and just be like, fucking get your shit together. Yeah. Because if he didn't, like, I mean. He would have died probably. He'd, he'd have died. Like, he'd have died on that first police run. Yeah. On, on, the, on the ride along that Walt goes on. If he wasn't there, there's about a, I would say, 75 plus percent chance he would have been caught and he would have been fucked. He snuck out a window. There's some naked chick and then he. Snuck out, but yeah, but they all he had to up. do was just you know just go. He went that way. Yeah, yeah, and and it's over. Yeah, no, no show at all. But yeah, <laughs> it's just like he's over there. They wanted he I mean, dies three months later, and that's it. It's common knowledge now, but they wanted to kill Pinkman off like a few episodes in, like seven episodes, something like that. Yeah, it's one of those. Well, you made a smart decision there. They listened to Brian Cranston. He was the one that talked him out of it, and then he became a producer. I think based on that decision. Because they're like, oh, this changes everything. And then he 
started getting more involved with the writing a little bit. I think also that's what's really smart about the entire show altogether, and and I love when shows do this. Uh, and, and Breaking Bad's not the first one to do it, obviously, but uh, to be able to not have an end game, yeah, like from day one, like it can change. Over yeah, time. exactly. It's like, look, we think Jesse's going to die, you know, halfway through season one. Well, no, we don't want to have him. Well, okay, now it's like it is the butterfly effect of everything that you possibly could have, you know, thought of ahead of time, maybe all out the window at this point. Homeland is like that, and I won't give away any spoilers about that since that's not what this podcast is about. But it's like that in that they've changed the course of that show with each season, and it was never planned, apparently. They would just get bored with the direction they were writing in, ask the actors their opinions, and then it's like, okay, we'll reinvent it this way. Yeah. I, I like I like that Breaking Bad was like that and that I could never guess fully. I can make predictions, but I couldn't guess the direction it was going in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I exactly. It was one of those things in like the, the times with which Walt would stand up and just go from this shrinking violet of a man who's just like, you know, who's put upon, who, you know, doesn't really have a saying, he's never really stepped up to the plate in any significant way, how... You know, just think of the first uh, the first uh, time I forget exactly what season, but he go he runs into the uh, to the uh, guy who's buying meth and everything, and fucking throws it oh, blows it up the Tuco. Enti- yeah, Tuco yeah, yeah. Tuco's entire place and blows it up. Yeah. The balls he had to just walk in there and just be like, "Here's what this is, motherfucker." Was that the first scene where he caught himself Heisenberg, or was it not? I don't remember. Yes, that that was the first time when that that you know in in like. He literally, you could tell on his face, is just like, this fucking moron doesn't know who Heisenberg yeah. is. It's like, you know, and that's a, <laughs> I just thought of this. <laughs> We're going to grow up. There's going to be people who don't even they, recognize that outside of this context. That are going to hear is. Heisenberg and just, just believe it's, it's just Walter, Walter White. White. Yeah. <laughs> and then not are going to make any sort of actual science correlation no pretext, to it. No reference to it's just oh, it's Walter. Isn't that Brian Cranston? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe you should read a book. I, I say that, but now everyone else is gonna because I get that's a constant theme on this uh, podcast is that I don't read. <laughs> I don't read. I get that, a lot of shit for it. I don't read that much either. Though. I used to read a shit ton, and then I just I felt like once you know once you're an adult and you have to work so many hours a day, I feel like you have to make a choice. And I choose to watch television and movies. Yeah, that was my choice. <laughs> I didn't even have time for video games, so it's like it was like three things or four things: movies, TV, video games, books. Two of those things lost out, and it was video games and books. <laughs> Dude, like that's that's one of my problems. Is like my like hobbies are like I tend to end up throwing myself into you know it's usually one of one of three all, and I go myself all at them at the, usually because like I'll either be Hugely into comics, hugely into video games, or hugely into movies, and it's tough to like spark, parse, parse out all three to you know yeah. enjoy all three at one time. And of course, all three are expensive hobbies to it's, be into. It sounds dumb, but it feels like you're choosing between friends when you have to make a choice. Sorry, video games. Yeah. I'm going to watch a movie, but like I feel bad because I I haven't played Grand Theft Auto Five in like two days. Yeah. See, I I don't even Half Life Two was the last video game wow. I got into. That was way back. <laughs> I gave up on video games long ago, but I was obsessed. I was the guy who had the video game chair and everything. And then I, I got to a point where I was like, but I miss these other hobbies. 
And I was like, oh, wait, I could get this much money if I sold all my video games? <laughs> all right, fine. I'll make a choice. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about favorite favorite times within the show itself. What what kind of what moment when you think about the entire series? What moment stands out to you? Well, like I'm obsessed with the art of acting. Like I want to be an actor, but I'm too much of a pussy, so I just obsess <laughs> over acting. The, my favorite, one of my favorite acting moments in anything, not just this show, but in anything, was the "I am the danger" speech he gives right. to Skyler because it's like he stood up for himself. To a lot of people in the series, but that was the first time he really stood up to his wife and was like, no, I'm not this chump. Because she was making the argument that, oh, are you in danger? And, you know, it's like, should we be afraid? What are we going to do when these men come back? Yeah, and he's like, I am the one who knocks. And then he gets so fucking fierce, just the way he changes in his face. I'm like, that's that's just a badass moment. I've said it before. If you are in danger, we go to the police. Uh, no, I don't want to hear about the I police. I do not say that lightly. I know what it could do to this family, but if it's the only real choice we have, if it's either that or you getting shot when you open your don't front want door, to hear about the you're police. not some hardened criminal, Walt. You are in over your head. No. That's what we tell them. That's the truth. No, it's not the truth. Of course it is. School teacher, cancer, desperate for money. Okay, we're done here. Roped into working for, unable to even quit. You told me that yourself, Walt. Jesus, what was I thinking? Walt, please, let's both of us stop trying to justify this whole thing and admit you're in danger. Who are you talking to right now? Who is it you think you see? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to. So let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. But yeah, I mean, he had a lot of great moments. Aaron Paul had great moments too. But I read that Cranston was his mentor for acting a lot of his moments out. Uh, that that wouldn't surprise me. And and it's one of those things. It's it's like that within acting, within sports, within a lot of different things. It's like when you're with someone who is that good, it just you elevates your level to, you know, you go play, you know, golf with your buddy. You might, you know, just be, you know, what your level is. You go play golf with Tiger Woods. Your, your game's probably going to yeah. be stepping up a little bit, not only because of who you're with, but like it's almost like that energy kind of comes off and is transferred to you in a weird way. By the end of the series, I think Aaron Paul is as good. I don't think he's like a lesser than. I think they're equal now, acting wise. Just his intensity, Jesse's intensity in the final season. I mean, I mean, just think about how many lines he actually had in the final episode. It might have been a dozen, if that. Yeah. And so much is conveyed of just, just in him face. looking the way that he does. In you know, it's it's pretty imp- pretty impressive. 
that one episode, he didn't have any lines, I think. I may be wrong about that. The one where he was throwing the money out the uh, car. Oh, yeah, so little. I mean, if, if Maybe he Maybe a word it, or two. Yeah, it wasn't much, but it was just – it was all on him and he just He still had a decent amount of screen time. It. it was just very little dialogue. Yeah, th- that whole – like, I guess – yeah, really, it's like almost all the last season – and him just like there were just moments where it was just him just in silence yeah. and being just like watch watch this man crumble. A coworker of mine though hated that episode just because he made the argument that I don't know, I think I could I got why he was tossing the money out the window. But he made the argument that no, no one in real life would have done that. They would have had a mental breakdown, but they wouldn't have gone that far to toss the shit out the window. It's like, I don't know. That's one of those things you don't know until you're in that situation, and most people will never yeah, be in that see, situation. Yeah, see, that's the thing is, like, I mean, what to me, what that kind of scene symbolized was just, like, this can't solve anything. Yeah. I can have all the money in the world. It really doesn't mean anything to me. It showed he's still if a I'm hollow in, If I'm hollow inside, it means nothing. So it's like, oh, I can have, you know, I can have several million dollars on me, but you know what? I'm throwing it out the window. Give it to somebody else. Maybe they could use it, but this is just like if I hold on to this money, what are the implications? What does this mean if I hold on to this money and keep this money? Would this money change anything for me? And and it it wouldn't. Ultimately, it wouldn't change a single thing for him. Yeah. I mean, he'd get him more stuff. He'd get him more drugs. It could you know get him. A, it wouldn't change who he is, stuff, but it doesn't change him or his situation. So, it's it's it's. I think it's totally warranted. And you know, I, I thought it was a great moment and, and another great way for them to use that in order to get him in for questioning. Yeah. And then use that. I thought that whole subplot was great. Of you know. Hank's trying to turn him, you mean? Yeah, just him turning him around, being able to just have him sit down and do the confessional and everything. And, like, that was a, that was, to me, that was, I wish we could see the entire uncut thing of that, of him just giving this entire story about everything, because you can just tell that this is something that's so cathartic for the character to be able to finally sit and tell someone. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's like, They're you know, pro- you can't if- sit down and talk to Skinny Pete and Badger maybe the about DVD. this shit. Maybe the DVD box set will have, like, a longer scene of that. Um, maybe. I, but it is, like, one of those – this character has been needing to get this out for a long time. And there's no one to listen. And he now – like, I mean, it's like going to confession. He's just like, let me tell you everything. It was ever since – I think since Todd killed that kid, that's when it got to him. I think he was fine with everything him and Walt were doing, somewhat fine with it, till that moment. And then it was like, what have I done with my life? I'm in over my head. Yeah. And that was a way ways back, right? The we, train episode? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and like, at that point, he had killed Gail. Yeah, yeah. That's true. He killed Gail way before that. Yeah. yeah. But it was, I, I, it was something about... I don't think he felt as bad about Gail. But here's the thing, though. It's like, Gail almost had to die yeah, in order necessary. for them to continue on with what they had to do. But that kid didn't. This and, kid didn't necessarily have to die. And you could just tell, I mean, like, the way that it was, it was a quick no, boom. Yeah. And I thought that was a great bit. Like, I thought the Todd character was a great character to introduce, and especially fucking that way. Yeah. Is to, because that was, that was one of the big jaw dropping moments of the entire series was, was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, you know, he took the, you know, the, the message that Walt gave him about, like, look, no one can know about this. Yeah. Anything goes wrong. And it was just like, holy shit. That kind of, that just blew you away. And that, that they would just, just, fucking kill a kid with almost out even thinking that's what like when they killed andrea that was a moment 
for me, kind of like that. It wasn't as bad as the kid, but I mean, it's like they just killed Jesse's girlfriend. I thought they were going to get her in the SUV with Jesse and have her kidnapped too, maybe torture her, but I didn't think they just, bam, kill her just like yeah. that. I just, I didn't expect Todd to go that far that quick. That was what was like, and 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 in a way, and and how you see towards the uh, towards the uh, end of this season and everything, um, with with Jesse leaving and then Todd coming in and Todd being almost what he what uh, Walt wanted Jesse to be from day one, which was this app student who was like ready to go and do whatever. wanting to do you know so complicit with everything he said. And it's just like willing to learn, you know, he, he finished like uh, Todd finishes up his first, you know, batch and everything. He goes, we'll talk about, you know, it's like, we'll get your cut here. And he's just like, we'll talk about my cut when I get this right. And it was just like, this is a kid who cares about this thing. But the crazy psychotic level of Todd was just fucking unparalleled that you're just like, this guy can do the, and he doesn't do it, does it unblinkingly. Which was like one of the scariest things about that character. It was just like, oh yeah, we're just gonna go. We're gonna shoot these cops up. Yeah, I'm like that's just that's just what we're gonna do. What well, the one thing though that I kind of, I mean, I'm glad they went the direction they did with the finale. But I thought it would have been amusing if you know I had that crush on Lydia. If there was just a scene where she turned him down, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But he would have had to have killed her then. I think because could he there lost have it. been a meaner death than Lydia's <laughs> in the attacks? I mean, you know, at least the kid got shot and just died right she's there. She's slowly dying. It was just like <laughs> he call, she calls up. It's just like, hey, are you feeling sick? You're gonna <laughs> die in a couple of days. I poisoned you. Good luck. You now have to live with the fact that, oh, you don't just have the flu. You're going to die now. Why? Because I did it. I put it in that stevia crap that you were. So I'm just like, fuck stevia. I'm never touching that. My mom actually called that the moment they were in the cafe. I was watching it at my parents' house because I don't currently have cable. (laughs) And then uh, I was over there and she actually called it. And I was like, no, just because she never gets anything right when she she makes a (laughs) prediction. And I was like, no, come on. And she called it perfectly. It's like he, she, he put something in her coffee. It's like, all right. And then she was dead on. I was like, I'm glad they didn't have that loose end because I thought maybe she, that might be one of the few loose ends is that her character gets away with it and they just focus on the Nazis. But he fucking eliminated everyone that needed to be. Yeah, it was one of those things. And like, and, and again, it was with the money. And I, I thought it was such – it was a brilliant turn within the show itself that you know Walt Jr. was like, fuck you. I don't want your money. Yeah. You you gave me this horrible drug money. I don't want this. You you hate our family. I hate your guts. Why don't you just die already? And like that's a fucking powerful ass thing. And like even though his family absolutely despises and hates his guts for every single thing that he's done and everything that he's put them through, he still has that sense of responsibility for them. Yeah. And especially the situation with, that he put them in of, you know, she can't lead a normal life after this. Uh, it's going to be difficult for them to do anything at even, this point. Even Jesse, who Jesse, he'd have to get a different name and all that shit. But he might still be able to. That's maybe the only slight loose end is just that would he, he would still be wanted by the cops. But he can fucking get out of the country or do whatever. I don't. I don't. I. Or is he? Is he still wanted? I think he would still be because they know he's associated with Walt. Well, no, I'm not sure about it. I'd have to go back and rewatch. But I knows- don't know how much, how much information that 
that he gave Hank and, Hank Gomez. and Gomez that would they would you know that what information they actually ended up collaborating with them and on. It so seemed I'm not like he, sure on that one. If they recorded anything and kept it from Jesse's confession, it mainly placed the blame on Walt. Yeah. So I don't know, but regardless, I still think he'd get the fuck out of the country. <laughs> That's what I think is another good thing about this is like this is a series that you that I think that anybody could come back to a couple years from now and still enjoy and it. watch and you know the ending of it, you know how everything runs and still get as much enjoyment because you can see things that are probably you know pay off later on and harken back to different things. I'm sure there's a lot of different shots and ideas and stuff. And I rewatched a lot of episodes leading up to the finale just because it's it's shot like a movie that's the great thing about uh cable tv now is that a lot of these shows have a movie a cin- they have a cinematic quality about the way they're shot like you watch law and order it's shot a certain way it doesn't feel like a movie you watch breaking bad it feels like a great fucking movie and that's the thing it's like and and a lot of their things is choosing good directors i mean like uh he's did i believe three episodes altogether. but ryan johnson who directed brick and uh Looper, amongst a couple other things, he directed three episodes, like an episode a season for the last three seasons. And you can always kind of tell his stuff, to me at least, kind of uh, uh, stands out a little bit. The first one that he did was the bottle episode in uh, in the big cook kitchen uh, with the fly and everything. Oh, okay. That was his. That first had episode. a little. It was more. I don't know if surreal is the right word to use. It, it had a different feel. It was to a it. very different feel to it, and yeah. that was like I, I could just, I could tell it was just like it seemed like it had his kind of stamp on it. That's the one where where Walt almost told Jesse about Jane, like the first time he almost yeah. Told him. yeah. Uh, so there there was that. There was uh, I think the other one he did was uh, the one where they bought the new cars. Okay, that I think they had tongue tongue in cheek dubstep music. Playing. Oh no, that totally was because. Um, uh, Ryan was... Johnson would come on the Slash Film Cast, uh, and I'd listen to that, and he talked about that. And they kind of, they were like, they kind of made fun of him. They were like, "What the hell was that?" Because it was so corny. And he was just like, "It was a hundred percent on purpose. It was meant to be silly. It was <laughs> meant to be kind of like, here's my Michael Bay moment yeah. of just kind of just I... Michael Bay, Tony Scott kind of <laughs> things are blowing up at you. It's like when there's no need for it at all. Anytime in traffic." I hear anyone playing dubstep real loud, like their windows are down and they're blasting it. I'm like, if you're not in a club and you're just playing that on your own, no one's with you, you're playing that on your own, you might be a sociopath. I just, I don't see any enjoyment in it. Wop, 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 man. Yeah, it's 20, I think it's, it's gone, it's died off a little bit, but I know for sure 2012 was the year of dubstep. Every fucking trailer. <laughs> that came out had dubstep in it. I don't care what it was Especially for. Especially fast-driving cars. They had to have... Wah, 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 wah. And then just a slow motion of a car like flipping over and catching on fire or some shit. It's like, where's the songwriting? It's just, Not to go off on a dubstep tangent, <laughs> but it's, it's so These dubstep easy. kids need to cut it out. You buy a Mac and you're a DJ now, and it's just go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I've tried to make dubstep. I can't do it. I have some friends that are DJs, and they do some interesting stuff, but my whole thing is you don't even have to... A lot of people don't even know the... They don't even own a fucking turntable. They just buy some software. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going on that <laughs> tangent. It just makes me These sad. These kids today and their electronics. I still listen to Hendrix like it's brand new. So I don't. Yeah, it works for me. Uh, let's see. Did it? Did, did, uh, any anything else that kind of? I'll tell you one uh, thing that uh, a moment that I was just like, watch, watch this shit <laughs> was. 
when Hank was killed and Walt's reaction to that, it was absolutely amazing. He doesn't say a word. The audio just drowns right out. It looks out. like he's unraveling, And right? this just the fucking pain on his face. And I'm going to say this right now. Fuck you, Emmys. Fuck you in your ass. How are you going to give fucking Jeff Daniels a fucking Emmy over Brian Cranston? Are you out of your mind? Like, I've seen two well, this season. This season wasn't ready for an Emmy. Yet. Or did you just mean in general? No, the one that you just gave out. Cranston was was in this group. Jeff Daniels for the newsroom won a fucking Emmy over him. I'm like, are you people high? See, I've only seen one episode of Newsroom. I like the pilot, which is rare for a pilot for mm. me to really like it, but it's no Breaking Bad. No, it's not even close. It's and not I'm even like, as good as the Breaking Bad pilot, by, by any means. I, I just, I don't understand. I'm like... The only show... I, that, my guess is is that they're just waiting to give it to him, like, for this one, just kind of like a, like they did with, like, Return of the King, where it was just like, the Lord of the Rings movies were the best... You, you could argue, whatever. Yeah. But the Lord of the Rings movies were the best movie every one of those three years that they were out, but they were just like, we're just going to wait and give everything to Return of the King as one big kind of swoof of... Here's all the ones that, because otherwise you would have won every yeah. one of these categories every single year. Sopranos had a run like that where it was getting a ridiculous amount of awards, and you could argue whether that was deserved or not. But yeah, there was like one year I think where they gave it to a bunch of other shows just to be like, all right, we gave it to the Sopranos too many times. Well, that's what bothers me about the Oscars is that it's all about like whose turn is it, and not yeah, yeah. like who did the best job. And that's when I knew the fix was in for Catherine Bigelow for the Hurt Locker. Yeah, I knew the fix was in because. Uh, when <laughs> fucking Barbara Streisand of all people just like just before the break just goes, well, any of the nominees, I'm paraphrasing, any of the nominees, uh, great nominees be, uh, you know, win for best director or is it time for a female? And I'm like, well, the oh, fix shit. is fucking in, dude. <laughs> yeah. How about like whoever directed the best movie? Actually, actually no, it's like, no, it's the lady. It's what were the, the other movies? Turn. What were the other movies? That you- I actually love Hurt Locker, but I, I thought her pacing and it, it was shit in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. I love Jessica Chastain in it, but I didn't think it was that great of a movie at all. It was god awful pacing, and I feel like she won for that one again because just because female director, she did it twice. No, she didn't. It yeah. wasn't as good as Hurt Locker. Uh, you know, st- I, and I still think Point Break is better than all of them. So yeah. fuck that noise. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the Emmys. I don't understand how these things work. I don't get how – yeah, I'm with you, though. I don't get how Cranston didn't win. As far as leads in a TV show, the it's Breaking Bad and Homeland are killing it right now. Everything else is not as extreme. It's not as intense. The writing – that those actors getting those two shows is so amped up that how could any other actors compete in those categories? That's another thing where it's just like, you know, and, and I, and maybe that's where some of it comes into play is that they're just like, look, we know the newsroom is not going to, yeah, it's, it's not going to be breaking bad because they're not comparable in any way, shape or form. Yeah. But so, you know, considering maybe it's like a considering what this is, that's great. I, I I don't know, but still, to me, it's just like that'd be like comparing. Who put on the best show? That'd be like comparing Mad Men to Breaking Bad. And I love Mad Men, but it's just like it's never going to be as extreme because it's not that kind of show. Yeah, I I, I don't and know. I would pick Mad Men over Newsroom, but I haven't seen as much of Newsroom. But it's I've seen two episodes. And the part that bothers me about that is just because I I I worked in news for six years, so I know how things work. So it feels fake to you, I guess. Well, it it feels kind of fake. It feels bullshit. And, a, and the biggest problem with the show is that it's revisionist history. 
Yeah. It's that you're taking things that have already happened and putting together this. It's always set two years behind, right? Something like that. Yeah. But it, it's taking this look back at something that, you know, and, and, a, and a team's work of trying to be, you know, trying to be the best at, you know, being the best journalist in the world and and just going, okay, we're, we're, what if somebody did it right? Yeah. Or, you know, to something like that. I thought the pilot was going to be great because it was just like his whole disillusionment with the media and everything. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. And then it just kind of turned into, well, we're just going to we're just going to retell the news from a couple well, of years ago. Been. And this is how this is how in, in Aaron Sorkin's fancy world that the things turned out. Should've... That's kind I, of I don't know. Mad Men's a period of peace, but I like that they don't try and fix it. They show how they did it wrong. I mean, they're still fictional characters, but they show them fucking it up. It's not like, well, this is how that era could have been better. And no. I'm sure. And look, I'm sure there are episodes of the. And, and I'll, I'll I'll re-say this again. I've only seen two episodes yeah, yeah. of the newsroom, so perhaps in further episodes they do show how things were messed up. But I, I it it did it didn't capture me enough. And having worked in news, it it bothered me to kind of just see that kind of. There were some aspects of it that were correct, and then just. Aaron Sorkin is a shitty is very shitty when it comes to the treatment of women in his uh, in his screen. Like, just look at his body of work. Yeah. Women characters fucking suck in his sports in his, night. Or, didn't he do he did sports night? Uh, yeah, he did like sports night, and then uh, you know, look, look at his portrayal of women in like the Social Network and stuff. It's like yeah. it's like he just he the guy I don't think can write for women very well. And it was like I think that first episode was like I don't even know how to use email. What's a Twitter? <laughs> and you're like fucking shit with this. I felt like they weren't real characters in that pilot. The women they were just there to have lines. Yeah, it's like I have I, I have a face and I'm gonna say words with it. And I did <laughs> like job. I did like that pilot, but it's just I felt like every female character was unnecessary in the pilot. But the Breaking Bad, pilot, I'm sure people are just going, you're not talking about Breaking Bad anymore. Yeah, yeah. But no, it, it is. It, I think it all encompasses. I, I, that's what we because we initially talked about this uh, pilot, before we started yeah. recording. Is that you know we we wanted to take a stab at like what Breaking Bad has done and kind of set up for people in the future, and 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 it's how, raised the bar really. how it's really elevated things and yeah. how you can't take actors, you know, there could be an actor that you may pigeonhole as something because who the fuck I know I did I wouldn't have guessed Brian Cranston I know that I would not have thought the dad the goofy stupid dad from Malcolm in the Middle would be one of the most amazing American actors we have today, barring not many people. He, he became the ultimate anti-hero. And it's like a phrase that's been kicked around a shit ton since The Sopranos. The Sopranos raised the bar for the ability to have that kind of lead. Like, this guy you're not supposed to root for, but you do. But then Cranston, I feel like, took it to another level because there's more of an arc. Tony Soprano was... A pretty terrible person. He was a from the mobster be- from Go. Yeah, he was terrible from the beginning. They gave you reasons to feel for him, but he was terrible from the beginning. Cranston was not, and they, it's just they raised the bar so much with that. It's I don't know. It's unreal. I think, like, really, I just I haven't seen Game of Thrones, and then I haven't there's I haven't seen Boardwalk Empire. But from what I've seen, a shitload of TV like Orange Is the New Black and all that, great. It's Homeland and Breaking Bad for me right now are the only two that are at that level. And I just, I like that cable gives me a reason to stay home instead of spend money at the theater. As much as I love going to the theater, <laughs> I just feel like TV's raised the bar so much lately that it's kind of unreal. Well, that's, that's, that's another thing is like now, now granted, this has been, it's, it's super been building over the years. And I, I think it only increases as years go by. 
but TV is not the ghetto that it once was. Yeah. It was, you know, it used to be, oh, you're a movie star that is on television. Your, your career's in the shitter. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, when you have like, you know, Kiefer Sutherland doing 24, when you have Martin Sheen doing the West Wing, when you have these big name people going down and doing television, for Christ's sake, Kevin Spacey is starring in a Netflix only oh, show. House of Cards. Have you seen that? I've, I've only seen like two episodes and I, I there's another one. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a lot of like, I well, stuck it I need out. to, I need to lose a job. Again I stuck it out for a large while. severance package. I thought it was interesting, but very slow, and I'm glad I stuck it out. But uh, yeah, but like Kevin Spacey, hell, Claire Danes was pretty fucking big in the '90s or later '90s, whatever. But yeah, and she's she's not slumming it at all in Homeland. It's one of the better things out there. I just it's like like I love the show House when it was on. That was one of my fa- that was my favorite drama at the time. But now since Breaking Bad and Homeland and I rewatch House and I'm like, this doesn't cut it anymore. Well, the thing is, is like, it's, especially with House, was that it, it was it was the same formula for every bloody show. It's yeah, called yeah. here's something crazy, and he, he diagnoses he's gonna, it. He's going to tell you here's what's fucked up and wrong. Everyone's going to say you're an idiot. Turns out he was right, and that's how they you know they, it. they actually strayed from that formula the final two seasons. And do you know why? Because Breaking Bad existed. Seriously, Howard <laughs> Howard Shore, the guy who uh, was the he's like the showrunner and all for House said that he he thought we got to change things up because there's too much to compete with on tv right now that's changing the game and he was fucking right he nailed it with breaking bad and what's the old jessica fletcher (laughs) let's do the same thing over and over every fucking week we have 200 episodes of this who cares see i was the guy who watched house for mainly his personality and like every now and then they'd have slight developments in his personality by the end he actually i don't think was a full atheist anymore so they were gradually changing his personality but it was so gradual and the core of it was always they made it believable they did make it believable because it was gradual but the core of it was always here's a medical mystery and i was actually one of the few people who didn't give a fuck about the medical mysteries i was just waiting for these slivers of personality changes the slight character arc and but now it's like I can't tolerate any of those shows. That's just our formula. Here's it's all wrapped up. But by that's the end of what's the weird is like I I went through. I was very late into the game uh, with CSI. The thing that actually brought me on to CSI of all things was I heard Tarantino was going to be directing an episode. Which and, which one was it? Uh, I want to say it was like no, it was like season six. Is it New York or which CSI? Uh, uh, the the original Vegas. Oh okay. So apparently Tarantino was a big fan of that, and I was just like, okay, well if. Tarantino enjoys this show enough. I'm going to give it a shot. So, like, I had went back and watched. So, like, I, I became a huge fan of it. But like, it got to a point where it is just like, you know, I've seen six, seven seasons of this at this point. It's it is a lot of the same shit. And, and when they started changing characters, that was another thing. Yeah, because you feel like, like it's never going to have a conclusion. Well, and and well, it, it's it's like you said though. A lot of it, a lot of it really hinges more on character than it does. And and I'm sure that's what one of the main problems what people would say with with the procedurals and things like that it's like it's the same show every time but if the characters are interesting you know then you'll stick it out it doesn't really matter because there's intricacies within that and i, I thought yeah. especially the um the the earlier seasons of csi kind of worked with that and then they started characters start, william peterson was like i'm leaving the show and then i was pretty much like me too <laughs> <laughs> like you're the best character in this entire show and i i, I gotta go because... that's how i felt when uh Mulder left the x-files oh my gosh i think that's how everybody did and yeah, i was yeah. a huge fan of that of whom vince gilligan was <laughs> a writer for that show he did a lot of he did a lot of x-files stuff and uh 
And uh, I think he helped produce Alone Gunman, the short-lived yeah. uh, show that was like, it was really, so sh- of all people, we're spinning off Alone Gunman? It was so show. short-lived, I forget that it exists. I think everyone did. But then again, then again, Fox is not exactly known for taking a property and holding on to it for a long time yeah. and letting it grow and develop. Like One a- of the things that they, that they fucking did was uh, Lie to Me, which was a great show. I liked that show a lot. I, mean, I like Tim Roth a lot. It had two great – I think two great – there was at least two seasons. I can't remember if there was a third or not, but it was, it was a great show. I, I mean that was a show that sold me in the first ten minutes where he like you know breaks down this dude and all his small ticks. I was like, this show's got me. The, but they uh, didn't let it sit there and gain an audience. I think her name was Kelly Williams. Like, I was a big fan of The Practice. She was in that, and then it had her and then Tim Roth. So they're two really good actors, and I felt like they just – they should have stuck with it. Its ratings weren't that god-awful that they should have no. dropped it. And and the thing was, is like, that, that that was so good. That show didn't get enough room to breathe. There was another show that got one – I don't even know if it got a full season, but it was called um, Justice. So I didn't see that. But- Very small. It was uh, – I think it would have done amazing on CBS. But it was like it was all about jury selection and the high tech uh, jury selection stuff. Very interesting, like great, pretty good characters and everything. It just it was it was on Fox. It had the unfortunate aspect of being on Fox. But then you know, cause like CBS has like these long running horrible shows like NCIS. <laughs> well, yeah, that for sure. But like NCIS, my parents watched the shit out of that, and I hate it because the characters are terrible. I'm like, I don't mind procedurals. I enjoy procedurals. The goth a lot chick of just isn't believable. I'm like, to be in that this work is, environment. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm like, how do you like these characters? The characters are terrible. So I just think like I'm like, fuck if that could if some of these Fox shows like that and like chicago code if these things could have got on better channels well doesn't fox own fx right yeah Isn't it? well hey, did you ever see the riches which sounds like a terrible name of a reality show but it was a great drama on fx did you ever see uh it? i think laura watched it i didn't had get it eddie izzard and Minnie driver and it it was a badass show uh, yeah I, I heard it was good and it was all a great build-up to it didn't i don't even think it had a full second season I may be wrong, but I don't think it had a full second season. It's on Netflix, which it's kind of pointless to watch because it's a show where it just layers and layers itself. It'd be like if Breaking Bad ended season two, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what happened? There's no payoff. That's what it was, and it was a great show. And again, the ratings were not terrible. <clears throat> it just, I don't know. But Always Sunny is still on it, and that's, that's what counts. <laughs> I, I like that show, but I lost interest because it's you feel like you can only take so much of their insanity. An episode <laughs> here and there is awesome, but I feel like... I can see that. I don't know. I, I still like Charlie. They Data. are screaming a lot at each other. <laughs> that's the only part that gets to me, really. But it's on... Isn't FXX an extra pay channel now? Uh, yeah, channel? yeah. Well, it's 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 another... I mean, it's basically if you had FX and you're in a cable system that would get it, you got it. Yeah. And so I, I, Time Warner was in that, so you know I, I got it. I, I love always, It's Always Sunny, but I'm not one of those guys who's going to plow through episode after episode. Just yeah, I, I think I, like I caught up. You know, I, I was a couple of seasons behind, and I, like I heard a lot of good things, so I just plowed through it. And I, I was always interested in how they started that show and how they kind of pitched it and how it came out yeah. of nowhere. The was it two hundred and fifty dollar budget they had for the first episode? Or oh something my gosh, like that. Dude, that first episode is hilarious yeah. because it's like you can like see pieces of the set just kind of hanging out and stuff, and they're just like you could tell it was just, one of the funniest there. thing. One of the funniest things ever to me on TV though was Charlie Day in the Serpico episode where he he grows the beard and he starts dressing like Serpico. Does this kind of terrible, but kind of somehow right on 
uh, Pacino impression throughout the whole goddamn episode. <laughs> that, to me, that was great. Just his voice. And then I, I rewatched Serpico, and I was like, you know, in his early work, Pacino did kind of just yell a lot. <laughs> he did. Well, and, and like, it's funny. Maybe not even early work. Well, but- no, well, see, here's Pacino. <laughs> I forget what comedian does it, but it's like Pacino has like this entire, like, if, like, if you follow his career, it's like, like early Pacino just kind of starts very, very down here, very well, so then yeah. it gets up and it, like and then he just starts getting to the screaming. Yeah, so oh. it wasn't early work. It was more, I should have said like middle kind of right, yeah, like that middle where he's just starting to yeah, and then it was around that Serpico era where there would just yeah. be those bursts, and then then you get to like uh, uh, fucking what is it Heat? <laughs> yeah, where he's just like, well, no, man, no, was it? He's more balanced now, I guess, but he he doesn't act quite as much. I still like still one of my favorite uh favorite Pacino lines of all time is don't waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I will still say that shit for no reason where it's like there's no one else around. <laughs> I just by myself, don't waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> As he's walking away for the after grilling a dude, it was I don't know. It's what great. Adam Sandler movie was he in recently? Oh, uh, the the twin thing. Oh, I know, yeah, Jack We're, and Jill. Jack and Jill. I didn't see it, so I know I shouldn't judge something I didn't see. But Ooh, it's one of those things. That lady is attractive. It's it's one of those things. Though, even without seeing it, I'm just thinking. You were in the Godfather, <laughs> motherfucker. Why are you in this? Oh yeah, I was in the Godfather. Yeah, and I decided hey. Maybe I'd dress up like a uh, maybe maybe I'd get near uh, Mr. Sandler here, dressing up like a lady. <laughs> uh, I'm 74 years old, but somehow that's sexy to me. A 45 year old Jewish man dressed up in a dress. That's what oh, does it for me. I don't know. That's what I get. Anyway, this show is about Breaking Bad. <laughs> Other than that, like, if anyone's listened to this podcast before. Uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, this is a lot of what many of the episodes are like. We call them tangents. Uh, we have a lot of tangents, but that's what, again, like that's what I said. That's what's cool about podcasts is like we don't have you know a producer in our IFB going. Um, you guys are not talking about Breaking Bad. Stay on point, guys. Uh, Stay what are you on doing? You just you, you just did twenty minutes. <laughs> I feel like it should be noted. I'm a guy who works in a low paying warehouse who just took a shot at El Pacino's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suck on that one, Oscar winner. But you, I'm sure he's sitting in his giant mansion with all of his horrors. motherfuckers. It, it looks just like Scarface. And he's just going, that little ginger kid got me good, didn't he? Oh, oh, you hurt my feelings, Devin. You hurt him back. The, the people are, I would say it. So people are done with me at this point. I get, all right, so uh, let's just, let's give an overall thing here. Um We'll wrap it up. Oh, I want to say... We're coming on an hour, Devin. We have to wrap it up. I, I do want to say... This is Breaking Bad related. I just want to say, like... I don't know why I always forget this moment, because it was one that made me jump out of my seat. But when Walt fucking hit that person with the SUV... Who was it he hit? It was so far back, I don't even remember. But oh he hit gosh. someone... With, to save Jesse, he hit someone with his SUV. And I was like, holy fuck, they just did that on TV. Yeah. It was... I don't know. It just floored me that scene well if you if we take anything away from uh breaking bad is that none of us will ever look at a pontiac aztec the same ever again yeah <laughs> i always i like the uh the joke in 30 rock where they're trying to design the perfect microwave <laughs> it just ends it's like they finish they're like describing all the things it's like it's this it's that it's the other things oh we just created the pontiac aztec <laughs> <laughs> so the pontiac aztec is the perfect microwave 
Perfect microwave, perfect killing machine. Oh, but uh, you know what he sell it for? Like thirty bucks or something? Yeah, it was <laughs> Some ridiculous. He's just like he fixes up the entire thing. He's just like I'll sell that to you. <laughs> he's like what? He's like hundred bucks, <laughs> whatever it was. It was something ridiculous. And the guy's just like, why? Why am I? What? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I guess yeah. if you want. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just do that and you just... I wonder how many kids actually became interested in chemistry because of this show. I mean, for all the wrong reasons, obviously, but (laughs) it's just... You know, this meth... That was what I always tell people because, like, I, too, have a shitty job. And and people just go, "Eh, well, you're going to... You know, it's like, oh, you're trying to do something else. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to, but, uh, you know, Breaking Bad makes meth dealing seem very interesting. Yeah. It, it it's all that math, though, and the chemistry that just is not up my alley. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to stick to <laughs> robbing liquor stores. <laughs> yeah, most criminals would not have the knowledge or just the dedication to do that shit, I don't think. Well, that's why, you know, everybody – that's why everybody was amazed with the Heisenberg shit was that it was just like, oh, somebody did this right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, your people were doing meth with purity levels that were just like in the 20s. Where it's like, well, you're just, just well. That was the that was a Jesse thing, <laughs> putting chili powder in yes. the meth. That was his fucking thing. It's like, no, we got to put that in there. And he's just like, no, yeah. It's just like, but that's my signature. We're not doing that. That compromises the integrity of the product. It's like, man, but I want to put my chili in that shit. <laughs> like you fucking idiot. I just picture Aaron Paul during that early season just eating buckets of chili at his house. I don't know why, <laughs> but I just no. I don't know where I'm going with that. I just picture him eating a shitload of chili as like an inside joke for himself. <laughs> it's like, no, but this is good though, right? <laughs> Anyways, um, so I guess I guess that just about wraps it up for us. Um, an amazing show for, you know. Did you have any disappointments with the uh, at all with the finale or no? That's the thing. With the finale? I haven't me, heard anyone have any disappointments. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that like while being an episode – that wasn't – it's funny. I saw – there was a – this is a little – a slight tangent, I suppose, but it's all Breaking Bad related. There's a video on Reddit of a chick who filmed her reactions while watching the Breaking Bad finale. Super – it was it was on cringe, so if that tells you anything. Huh. Um, and it was like the reactions that she gave, I was just like, are you watching the same fucking episode as us? Because <laughs> – like there weren't like so many like holy shit kind of like whoa like a lot yeah. of the moments that you've had throughout the entire series. I think there the trunk opening up was one of those moments. There, but there weren't a lot of those things to me. Uh, but I, I'll say this: it was one of the most tense episodes ever. It was like from from I think you know, it was, minute one. I think it was probably the most satisfying episode. But that's just because it's it's ending. Like a lot of some of it you could see coming, but it's you felt like you deserved to see those things happen. Well, that's the thing. Out. Like I said, it was like there there weren't like a whole lot of those holy shit moments, but it was one of I think it ended the way that it had to end. When he was in their house, what's that, that couple's name that stole his idea? I can't remember E and D or E and B. Oh, I, I would know it. Uh, yeah, Gretchen but, and what's her face? Yeah, what's his face? But he he was in their house unnoticed for so long in the tension in that scene and then it was kind of darkly funny like when he he said cheer up beautiful people this is your chance to make it right just, yeah just the the weird Such an playfulness ingenious plan though in order to get get them money and like and 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 any of your thoughts were were 
echoed in those characters just going, why would we give them money? Mm. And he had an answer that was set to go that made sense that when that happens, because you know it will happen because, you know, you get scared that fucking bad. You're going to do whatever it is because he gave that whole thing. It's like it may not be the next day. It may be a couple months when you're walking down. You don't even know. Yeah. If you don't do this. That's it for you. You're gone. So with that threat looming, you're going to do whatever he told you to do. I actually love that Gillian, with the finale, or the whole series, with the finale, he he let the criminal mastermind die on his own terms and then get away with it all, basically. Because I just love that he did that because it's almost like a taboo in American culture. You like, oh, the guy can't get away with it. That's why my grandparents hated Ocean's Eleven because they got away with <laughs> it at like, the end. They were rooting like, against them. They were like, they 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 got away with it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of the whole point. Do it's they like, want to see handcuffs on George Clooney for the? I'm final like, scene? I'm like, nobody wants to see them. Like everyone's rooting for this to they happen. They don't seem that bad. You want them in prison? <laughs> I'm like, man, what would you have seen if you'd have seen Walter White? Yeah. <laughs> what would your impression be then? Episode one. <laughs> well, Chills. that man just needs to be murdered. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think it. I think it ended the the only way that it could have. I think it was just such a tense moment of like, you knew what was in the trunk. You knew that, you know. You, I mean, because they set it up. They show you everything. It's just like you see. You see, he has this giant gun. You see this turret being built. You know what's going to happen. You know it's all within the, you know, car alarm that he's got. And just like them taking the keys, I was like, oh, how the fuck is he going to get the keys? And then just like, and just the fucking off chance that this Nazi is pissed off that you called him a liar yeah. saves your life. You yeah. would have died four seconds. The, tension the fact when- that you were just like, you're a liar. He's working with you. And, and he has like, you don't fucking call me a liar. For me, the tensest moment was when Jesse got the gun, though, because I thought this is it. Is Walt going to die this way or not? And he, he did. That was the thing for me. It's like I, I honestly, I that never, I I didn't have one moment where I thought Jesse would pull the trigger. Look, see, I was still. I unsure. was just like, there's no way he can do it. It's just because that while while you know while he sold him out to Hank and everything and everything that he's gone through, I, I still believe there is that kind of father figure type thing in there, and they've been through so much together that that's a bond that you know just being able to you know throw that away and and that's also something else that like he reached that point in his life where like everything was taken away from him yeah to where it's just like what is this going to solve can i do this i he doesn't want to be that guy any who, lower he doesn't want to be that guy who kills one more person and then if it's walt Who's he left with that yeah, actually yeah, knows? Yeah, exactly. That's the last person that he possibly knows, and he just wants him to admit that, like, at the end, this was all what you wanted. Yeah. You want to die right now. All of this is what was essentially your fault. Though, you know, Jesse's, like, I will. I mean, I'd, I'd put this out there. His life wouldn't have been nearly as long without Walt. Yeah. Without Walt, Jesse probably would have been dead, you know, in, inside of a month. Just some other dealer would have just capped him. Would for, have just been like, oh, you fucked me? All right, guess what? You're dead yeah. now. Some guy like Tuco would have finished him for good, you know. And, oh, but not even blinking. Tuco yeah. would have just like, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like you went up against that guy and it was just like, how fucking insane is this dude? 
Yeah. He's just, he is like, he's sniffing meth right in the front of you and it's just going to stab you with a knife because, well, he just happens to have one around. It's like a weird catch-22. His life is fucked up because of Walt and he has a life because of Walt. Yeah, it's, it. that's what I think is one of the great you know, parts about the entire thing and how it's just, it's, it's a, it's such a great series overall and I will definitely be, uh. I, 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 I actually, I can't wait to sit there and watch it with Laura and be able to experience that with somebody else. You'll have the dramatic irony then of knowing what's coming, but you get to relive it. So. I think that's what's, I think that's cool. And when you have like, when you have a good series of television or a movie that is one of those experiences, it's to me, it's so great sharing that with somebody else. And that's what I think you should do out there. If, if anybody's listening to this and you know, somebody who hasn't watched this show, Sit and watch it with them. Number one, you're going to get to sit through and relive your great show again. And when you have someone who hasn't watched any of it, you can totally live vicariously through them and remember back on the times where you had those exact same feelings and watch. And so it will be like watching that thing again. It's like introducing somebody to your favorite movie that they've never seen before. And you're just like, wait till you see this shit. Yeah. I I agree. No, that's a good way to end it. I think. All right, everybody. <laughs> that is it for this episode, this special episode of the Film Find. Uh, we'll be back this, uh, our next episode should be dropping somewhere. It might drop on Sunday, Sunday or Monday. But uh, Matt will be coming back to the podcast and we're going to be, uh, should be, fingers crossed here on all of this. But it should be uh, myself, Matt, and Laura all God, the coffee's getting to me, buddy. Woo. We've we've had, we've had about almost two pots of coffee throughout yeah. this entire <laughs> podcast, so we're we're uh, we're going crazy. Um, it was that or meth. It was that or meth. One or the other. We got to have drugs of some sort, and caffeine is at least legal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Matt, Laura, and I will be reviewing Alfonso Cuarón's uh, long-awaited uh, Gravity, uh, starring George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. Interesting little point here, and I'll make this again on the other one. Uh, for the longest time, it was going to be Angelina Jolie as opposed to Sandra Bullock. Huh. And then that kind of fell out because this this thing was in production uh, hell for so long that it just never really happened. But uh, I say, it, uh, like earlier reviews are saying, it's amazing. James Cameron said it's the best movie about space ever. And coming from a man who's you know not saying that about his own film, that's kind of amazing because <laughs> James Cameron is a fucking blowhard. <laughs> um, but I, from what I understand, there are like, 12 cuts in the movie really like 12 edits completely that's pretty impressive that's reason enough to watch it even if it's even if it sucks it's just like from a cinematic standpoint and like because that was one of the big things that you know uh kiran was like really you know like they loved in like children of men where these really long tracking shots and the shot in the car and everything and uh who knew that guy's career man fucking e2 on a to you know, yeah. Harry Potter to <laughs> to this. I mean, it's quite impressive. But uh, we'll be doing that. Uh, also, go to thefilmfind.com. There you'll find the links to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, the whole nine yards. Uh, we also have an Instagram and all that kind of shit. <laughs> uh, excuse me, a little mess coming up. Uh, also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Because uh, I'm going to be putting up, hopefully, a video every single day talking about a horror film. Uh, in the 31 days of Halloween horror that we're doing. Uh, so uh, subscribe to that and uh, check out thefilmfind.com, and we're going to be putting those up there every day. So uh, please do that. All right, everybody, that will do it for us today. For Devin Penninger, I am Adam Portress, and uh, we'll see you next time.
ever tell you about my Star Trek script? Star Trek script? Yeah, I gotta write it down is all. The Enterprise is five parsecs out of Rigel 12. Nothing's going on, neutral zone is quiet, the crew is bored, so they put on a pie-eating contest. The whole crew's in the galley, they're eating Tullaberry pies. Tullaberry? Tullaberries. From Gamma Quadrant, yo. That's Voyager, dude. Okay, blueberries then. They're eating blueberry pies as fast as the replicator can churn them out. Finally, it's down to just three. Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov. Okay, Spock always wins these things. How is Spock gonna beat Kirk, yo? Spock's like a toothbrush. Look at Kirk, he's got room to spare. Spock has total Vulcan control over his digestion. You wanna hear this or not? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, finally, Kirk, he can't take it anymore. He yorks. Now it's just down to Chekhov and Spock. But Chekhov, you see, he's got a whole fat stack of quatloos riding on this. And he has figured out a way to win. He's got Scotty back in the transporter room, locked in on Chekhov's stomach. Every time Chekhov eats a pie, Scotty beams it right out of him. Where is he sending him? The toilet? Space! Oh, there's blueberries just floating out there, frozen because it's in space. And Chekhov is just shoveling them into his mouth. And, and Spock's like, I can't believe this Russian is defeating me. Meanwhile, Scotty's in the transporter room fiddling with levers when Lieutenant O'Hara comes in and she's got, you know, her big pointies and Scotty's fingers are all sweaty. No. Chekhov screams. He sprays blood out of his mouth. Oh. Scotty beamed his guts into space. No way. <laughs>